Hello, I am Camilla, and this is the Green Fabric Podcast. In each episode, I invite interesting people from the sustainable fashion scene in Europe to learn more about the options we have to dress responsibly, with respect towards our planet and the people who make our clothes. I am on a mission to discover what is happening in Europe when it comes to sustainable fashion, what is there to know about fabrics, procedures, labels, certifications, brands, what kind of innovative projects are happening that aim to reduce pollution caused by the fashion industry, and who are the people behind it all. Thank you for joining me on this journey. I am super excited to introduce the very first episode and my very first guest, Lucy Gerlichova, the designer and founder of the Slovenian clothing band Lucy. I was very curious to see behind the scenes of a small sustainable fashion brand to understand what is their procedure, how many people's work is in their clothes, in the website, in the coordination and communication, what are the big challenges and what motivates the creator in her everyday work. Lucy's is a special European story where she left her country to go abroad and settle there, learning the local language and trying to find her place as well as launching a business. In this episode she shares her personal journey talks about other designers who inspired her, tells about the fabrics she uses, how does she set her prices, what kind of customers she has, how did Covid affect her business and how finding your style is an important step towards dressing sustainably. So without further ado, let's get started. Hi Lucy, how are you doing today? Uh, good, very good. And you? I'm actually very, very excited. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you recently dropped a new collection, so I'm curious to know how do you feel about it and uh, how has it been received? I was working on this collection, I think, the longest since I started, because with the lockdown and everything, uh, we were closed for a couple of months and I really like take my time. And then I was planning uh, like to launch the collection actually a little earlier. But because uh, uh, of the lockdowns and all the restrictions and also the bad weather, we then uh, didn't, didn't arrange the photo shoot until until three weeks ago. So I was like, uh, I was really impatient actually. And I was like, I couldn't wait to, to launch it. And it finally happened. And uh, I think it was received so far uh, good. I have uh, the... Uh, the most orders I get in June and July so in the May it's still like uh, the people are just looking uh, usually and they're like deciding what to buy for the summer so slowly the first orders are coming in <laughs> okay uh, we'll talk more about the collection and also the brand later but first I would like to get to know to you a little better so um, you were born in the Czech Republic that's what I read Yes. But you did your studies uh, to become a designer in Slovenia, and that's also where you're based now, in Maribor. Yes. Why did you choose Slovenia specifically to settle and start your brand? So, yes, uh, <laughs> this is actually an interesting story, I think. So, uh, I was born uh, in, uh, in Czech Republic, and then when I was uh, 18 years old, in my last year of high school, I met my boyfriend who came to Czech Republic to study for one year. And we met like at the, at the beginning and we like fell in love. And uh, then uh, we decided that, uh, that we will move to Slovenia. And uh, in that time I was, uh, I was supposed to uh, start to study uh, at the university in, in my hometown in Czech Republic. 
but I was like 18, 19 years old and I didn't actually know what I want to do, what I want to study. So it was like kind of meant to be that I came in Slovenia and then uh, because I knew that I want to stay here, I started to look for the programs where I could apply. And then I heard that you can study design in uh, here in Maribor. So I look, uh, I looked more into it, and I see that there was a program designed in textile materials, but it's actually uh, on mechanical engineering faculty. So this was like a bit scary at the beginning for me because there was a lot of classes. Uh, like physics, mathematics, all this stuff, what I had like, I wasn't really good at it at high school. But anyway, I applied for the for the bachelor's degree. It was really hard at the beginning because I studied in the Slovenian. So I had to learn in uh, the Slovenian language. But I I made it through the, these three years and I made the, uh, I made, I got the degree. And I was still not sure what, like, what I want to do. So I applied for the master degree, which was uh, more clothing design than anything else. And there is where it all started uh, because it was uh, less engineering stuff and more design. It was like less study and more projects. So I also, I made my first collection during master degree. We had some classes where we, where we also worked should make our own website, our own brands and all of this. So I kind of prepared everything during my studies. And then I was like, okay, maybe I, I will try it. I will try to, to make it work, to maybe start a, a business. And yeah, that's, that's the beginning. I can imagine how hard it was to, to take on this adventure. So, wow, <laughs> that's already a nice story to start with. You are the designer and founder of Lucy now. What is your role in the brand's life? Or I could simply ask, um, what is it that you do really? This is like, I don't know if it's uh, just in Slovenia or maybe also in other countries, but in Slovenia, it's very, uh, very often that uh, when you are like designer and you have your own brand, you are kind of everything in one person. I think that's a small business uh, <laughs> issue. So yeah, if, so you are like the cleaning lady and the CEO in one. <laughs> but I'm lucky because I have really big support from my boyfriend. And then I have also like some friends or some girls who from time to time help me with some stuff with, uh, with the photos with many different things but uh, the most of the time it's just me uh, I, also, I also sew everything uh, this is maybe a bit unusual because there are still a lot of designers who maybe sew the prototypes but they, they still have some seamstress or they uh, have some company who make the, the clothes I make everything by myself and I like it I want to keep it that way as long as it will be possible because uh, it's like I cannot imagine that I that I would give this stuff to anybody else. At least at at this moment, I like that the piece you get from me that it is really it's from it's from me that I made this. <laughs> then you really have that connection with the uh, with the clothes. I actually uh, when I contacted you, I mentioned that I ordered the very first um, I would say a sustainable piece of clothing from you. 
actually and I also really appreciated that I got to communicate with you so we exchanged so many emails discussing uh, the, the adjustments that were needed so I think that's really added to to the whole experience and whenever I wear that piece of clothing I really think think back about you so I have the whole story the whole spirit of the clothes on me actually yes exactly yeah I think this is really it is what makes it even more special yeah so basically you mentioned that you do a lot of different roles and tasks um how how do you manage it what does your typical workday look like i start uh, around 7 7:30 already i kind of like it to start as early as possible so even if i have a lot of time i can manage a lot of things and i think that uh, i'm more i i'm most uh, productive in the in the morning So I usually start just with the coffee. Uh, if there are some really important emails or something like this, I I start on with the computer. Uh, and uh, when it's all done, half hour, one hour, then I pro- I usually start uh, to sew uh, some of the orders or some of the clothing. What I had uh, in uh, in my head, what I should make for the for the store here, or maybe some something new. Then uh, I prepare uh, everything for the shipping and I go to the post uh, I go for for lunch and then more sewing and then there um, there are also all all these marketing things uh, and all these uh, Instagram posts Facebook stories I have days like I could make stories from morning to to all day like every, what I do through the day sometimes I'm like uh, not posting anything because I know I kind of fell in the process here then i usually work until four but it's like it never of course it never stops here then i come home and i have more emails or i have uh, more instagram to post or some customers are asking uh, some questions uh, and then with my boyfriend we work uh, we work on the on the website there's always something to to work on even when i come home so it's like i think everybody mm-hmm. who has its own business know that you never end in the office it's part of your life yeah <laughs> but it's like it's like hobby it's it's it doesn't feel like that you're always in the work i think that's the best feeling when you get to find a job that's that doesn't really feel like a job yeah in your self introduction you say and now i will quote learning and realizing how much knowledge resources and know-how is behind each piece of clothing was the breaking point for me so when i started to create a concept for my own label sustainable and timeless was the only way to do it this suggests me that you didn't want to just follow a trend but really um wanted to build a sustainable brand out of personal conviction exactly So uh, can you tell me about how, how did you start off uh with the sustainable concept? Yeah, because I think I was lucky that I really I studied this program and I learned many different things about the fabrics, about about patterns, about basically everything. How it's how is the fiber how, uh, grown or made and then to the end to the end and then you it's like I think that people who doesn't know anything about clothes they ne- never think they just buy some t-shirts for like 10 euros for these prices would would you have and you never think how it's made and 
So you don't f- think about the material and you don't think about the, the people uh, who made it. And in this in the university, then I saw like <laughs> there are so many procedures, so many people. You have somebody had to ground the fiber, somebody made the, the fabric, somebody sewed the clothes. I was yeah, a bit overwhelmed because I also I had no idea how much you have to know how much is behind everything. And uh, it was the same time when, uh, for the first time, there were bloggers and uh, influencers also start to speak uh, about about fast fashion problems. It uh, was the time when also the fashion revolution was established, when this uh, Rana Plaza collapsed and all this stuff uh, uh, was happening and uh, the people start to speak about what is happening uh, so i really uh, start to fo- follow all this information as well i start to uh, like learning about what is even sustainable means what is uh, slow fashion means what is the alternative uh, to the fast fashion and uh, in the same time i was uh, designing the first collection it was actually a project it was a one contest and uh, uh, it had to be made from natural materials only. So for the first time, I also made in research uh, for only for the natural fabric. I wanted to, to make collection from hemp, but uh, then I saw that the hemp is really expensive and it's really hard to get. So until now, I didn't have any any anything made from hemp yet because it's still it. It's two to three times more expensive than linen or cotton. So this was the first time when I start to learn also about the fabrics, about the sustainable fabrics. And uh, then, of course, when I was thinking about my brand, about the concept, it was like the only only right thing uh, to do. I didn't imagine that I would do it uh, differently. I didn't imagine that I would use polyester. Or... I also learned all about uh, the properties of the materials, maybe with like a if you are just usually user user like usual buyer of of clothes you you don't know all of this stuff so i also know that you feel better in cotton and you feel better in in linen than in polyester so this is also another reason why i chose this material i'm sure you had several classmates during your studies uh whom you graduated together but i can imagine that not all of them has their own label so how was it different for you uh, I actually had just a few classmates huh. because it's uh, it's like very strange, but like nobody knows here in Slovenia that you can study this in Maribor. And in the master degree, I uh, actually I had just one classmate. We were just two girls on oh. our on our program. So, uh, but I also had uh, some classmates or from some different years who had their own label. But I think nobody really lived from this i think i was patient like i didn't know that this will not happen overnight i didn't give up and yeah i was lucky because i i really started when i when i was still a student and although in slovenia if you want to open your own company although if even if you are student it doesn't Mm -hmm. help you you still have to open the company and pay all this uh, all this uh, social insurance and the health insurance but because i was because I'm still Czech citizen, mm-hmm. I opened for the first year because I was still student. I opened company in Czech Republic, 
where I had the option that I didn't have to pay all this uh, social and health insurance because I was still a student. So uh, this was really a big help for me because in the first year, like you don't make any money or you make something and you put it back in, in the business. So that helped me a lot because the first two years were really difficult. Uh, I, I also, I, I wanted to give up a lot of times. You looking for the customers and in the online sales didn't happen in first, uh, first two years at all. Like even although I had the online shop, I didn't sell almost, I think, any, nothing. I, I sold the most thing in, in my store and I was attending this uh, design markets, mostly in Austria. So this was, uh, this was the only income for the first two years. But then slowly, like we work, uh, we work on the marketing with my boyfriend. We learn how to, how to manage all the Facebook ads and Instagram ads, how to work with it, how to make better website so it's more user-friendly and that you know everything about the clothing, about the sizing. I also work with some, some influencers. I think I had my first real sales when uh, I offer uh, some of my piece of clothing uh, to Daria. Daria. And she accepted, and uh, then she, when she showed the, she chose shorts, linen shorts, and then when she made a post wearing the shorts and and tell people it's for me, this was like the first time when I really had uh, had orders from my from my online store. This was really nice. <laughs> I was really happy. <laughs> and what is it that you did differently so that you can really make it your career, make it your job? Hmm. Yeah. Like, I was like, if I came so far, I should not give up yet. I should not give up yet. In the lowest moments, when it was really difficult, what was it that uh, kept you going? It was still like, if I would uh, try for five years and nothing, I would probably give up. But I was like, I'm just one year or two years trying. It's like, I can, I can do it. I had support from my boyfriend. I think this is very important that you have support from, from your close ones. I was also uh, thinking, and uh, I even apply uh, for some grants. You have, uh, but I didn't get it. But you have a lot of options here in Slovenia. Even if you have uh, no money and you have idea, and and maybe you have small team of uh, uh, of people, or even if you are alone, you have a lot of this uh, these grants, a lot of these funds where you can get some money, usually from the European Union or from the country, to start. So I was like, if it would not work, I can also try it this way. But at the end, I didn't need it. But still, yeah, it's like, you never know. Because then, then came March 2020, and it was like, oh, what the is happening? Yeah. So it's like unpredictable always. How long has it been in 2020 that you launched the brand? It was four years. Yeah, because now it's now it's five. Yeah, now it's four five. years. So you launched in sixteen. Yeah. Did you have any examples of role models either in Slovenia or elsewhere who inspired you when you started off building your concept? Yeah, in Slovenia, my big inspiration from the beginning is uh, Slovenian designer uh, Janja Videt. Uh, she studied in Ljubljana, 
and I follow I, I follow her already in my study years from the beginning. She's a few years older than me, and uh, she was also speaking a lot of about minimalism and slow fashion. She was also one of the first person who I follow when I learn about slow fashion. Um, now she has her also her grant, uh, which is sisterhood uh, with interesting concept uh, made made for modern witches very interesting nice patterns and nice collections if there was just one thing that you could mention what was the biggest challenge when you launched your brand yeah i think uh, the online sales because uh, at the beginning i had some simple website i didn't even have online store and then after i think after one year i made the online store and i was thinking okay now i have online store which means i will get orders and i will have I will have work, I will have money. I was like so sure. And I <laughs> and I launched the online store and nothing <laughs> happened. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's not just that you have the store. It's not just, you need to do uh, do some like something else. You need to do more. So I think this. And today do you sell more uh, online or still in your store? At the moment, online. Online. Is it due to the fact that we have a pandemic or? Yes, I also think uh, for sure, because I had uh, also a lot of customers, especially now in May already, who was also coming to, from Austria to Maribor because the border is, is, is not far away. And uh, they were coming to Slovenia shop and just for a visit. And now there, are, there is nobody because the, the borders are still closed. So this makes a really real difference, and not just the Austria, not just the Austria in May, in general the the tourist came uh, started to came coming to to Slovenia for the for the vacation. So this this makes a, a big difference, and because I moved to this new space, it I think it needs a bit uh, time that the people uh, that they start uh, to come like in the old place. Okay. Lucy is a women's label. Have you ever considered designing menswear too? I got that question a lot because, of course, that also men comes uh, comes to my store and also or when I'm selling at this design markets and and also my boyfriend he always asks me for when I will finally make something for him. But yeah, because I'm one. One person to make everything is just uh, it's just there is uh, no time because it's again it's something totally different. The patterns are different. It's not just like that you make shirt and that's it. It's like all the process from the beginning. It's also when I start when I make the first dress or the first trousers, it was not perfect, uh, of course. And then I learned through the time how to make it better. So. With the menswear, it's the same. If I start, it it takes time that you make it really, really, mm -hmm. really good, and just there is just no no time, unfortunately. Maybe one <laughs> one day. Though there are some unisex brands, as I know, which provide clothing for men and women the same pieces. Yeah, this is true. This is me. This is maybe uh, I was thinking about, but then. Uh, I think it's easier to make unisex piece uh, from knits, and mm -hmm. I work and I don't work with knits. Mm -hmm. 
Then I, I, because of the fact that they are more flexible and they yes, adjust exactly. to the shape of the body. Mother, yeah. It's like I had many ideas uh, about many different materials also, but I think if it's better if you stick to one thing. I think it's better that this would, this type of clothes that I make, that I make it uh, the best way possible because I make just this, exactly this type of thing. Mm -hmm. And what is your favorite piece that you have ever made? I think it's the, uh, the trousers, the back-to-basic trousers. I I wear it like all the time, even today, and I wear it for three or four years the same pair already. If I would, if I could wear it like every day, I would wear it absolutely wear it every day. At the beginning, we briefly mentioned the new collection, which you designed during a pandemic, which is a, a pretty unusual situation. Was your creative or practical process any different from what you're used to? Yeah, in many ways was different because every year I learned something new about everything, about how the business works. I think, and I knew that in the winter I can take it easy with no stress and prepare for the spring and summer because the linen clothing uh, everybody buys in the spring, summer. And I, for the first time I decided that I will not even think about the winter pieces so much. And I will put all my energy for the spring and summer. I think I started in December and uh, I had some pieces in my mind that I want to repair, make make it better. I, I also spent a lot of time uh, behind computer and learned like uh, from different YouTube tutorials, videos, all this stuff like what I didn't learn at the university, how to sew some pockets uh, so they look more nice and all this stuff. So I made a few pants uh, which are basically the same, but they are they are better. Like you don't see it on the, on the photos, but if you if you buy it and if you wear it, it is you see then you see the difference. And I had some uh, dresses in the mind in my mind, the reversible wrap dress, which I really like. And also, I was looking for some new materials, and um, was for some time uh, I wanted to include this uh, this tensile fabric. So I have this refibra tensile fabric, which is actually recycled fabric. It's a bit more expensive, but I think it's very interesting that it is actually made from old uh, cotton scraps together with with the cellulose fibers uh, the tensile is made uh, made from so i make also made also pants and sh uh, shorts uh, from these fabrics and it's really really nice and really comfortable i made the pants first for me so i also because it's new fabric so i see how you feel in it what happened when you wash it what happened when you wear it for some time and it's uh, it's really nice. The fabric is nothing new. It's like in H&M, you can buy it for a long time. So I think that everybody knows the tensile fabric. You refer to tensile or refibra? It's a tensile is the is is the fabric, but the refibra is the technology for exactly this fabric. What I have, which includes uh, the up, the upcycled cotton scraps, like it, it's this it's the it's a kind of tensile fabric, but the it's uh, for you when you look at the fabric it's not a big difference i think between the regular tensile and the refibra tensile just that the refibra tensile is actually recycled fabric we discussed what are the challenges of launching a clothing brand in general 
but I'm also curious uh, to know what are the additional or extra challenges when it comes to building a sustainable brand. So I think in general, it's a problem that, uh, of course, that are, you are there and you have your own brand and there are thousands or 10,000 uh, uh, brands like yours. So I think it's, it is uh, difficult to get on the market that, that you make something that the people decide that they will, they will buy from you that they will not buy from, from uh, anybody else. Uh, I think that you can see this especially on the Etsy platform because uh, I also have the Etsy store, although I don't sell very much there. You just write linen dress and you have 10,000 linen dresses. And then we're like, why, why would somebody buy from you? Then you can, have, you can have the price low, but then you will not do nothing. You will not help yourself if you have the price low. But this, from the other hand, I think that if you have, if you do it with passion, if you have something to say to people through your through your Instagram um, or through your social media, they will start to follow you. They will start like you if they see that you really you put your heart in the in the piece. The the, the people can feel it, and then they buy something from you, and they really like it, and they they tell. They tell it all their friends and family, and they come back. So you say that the story is really a big part of for a sustainable of the brand. I believe yes, yes, because otherwise you just you just sell something. I think it's it's the story, it's uh, it's everything behind it what makes the mm -hmm. people to buy it. Was it hard, especially at the beginning? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at the beginning, was it hard to to set your prices? Mm -hmm. So, of course, if you make everything transparent and sustainable. Uh, that also means that you have to ask a price for for your clothes. Was it difficult to to get out there and say, okay, this is my price, take it or leave it? Yeah, it's still difficult, I think, because I think I have two different customers: the one who think it's too cheap and the one who think it's too expensive. Because yeah, because from if I'm making everything by myself and I'm selling everything by myself. I don't have uh, the margin would have the stores. And if you would want to buy my piece, the piece of clothing I made in a store, you would pay like twice the price. So if I have a dress for 100 euros mm -hmm. in any other, in, if you would come in some store, you would buy it from for 200. I had a customers who order some pieces and then I get the feedback that they cannot believe what quality and how nice it is because I think that maybe they they when they see the price they didn't believe the product they should they if that if they see product like this it should be more expensive. But then I have the customers who are used to buy in in the in the H and I mean in this store and then they see the dress for hundred euros or the blouse for sixty five euros and they're like no this is too much. And then they, of course, they didn't understand that uh, that the material that the material is have the price, and uh, I need like two hours to make the top, and this is still just just uh, one third of the price, and then you have all the company costs, all the rent, everything else that uh, just that I can have the the, the business and to sell uh, to sell the clothes. So I still I still need to, to find some balance always that I get 
paid, that it's not too cheap, that it's not too expensive, that it's fair to me, that it's fair to the customer. I actually, also like now when I, I launch the collection, I make the basic crop top and I put the price 49 euros, which I think it's really not a lot. And I could make it more expensive, but I wanted to include one piece, which is really basic. I can make it, I make it really quick, comparing to other pieces. And I want to put the price a bit little down. Maybe I could make it 10 euros more. So the people maybe who, who usually don't buy this stuff because maybe it's more, it's expensive for them. They cannot, uh, cannot afford, or maybe they're just, not used to uh, to spend so much this money on clothes, so they maybe still they will buy it because it's, I think it's really fifty euros. It's not so much. So this is like what I want to offer still to 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 my customers because I think it's important that they that they can afford uh, not just my 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 clothes but uh, like the sustainable sustainable clothes. And I think that's the biggest challenge of the slow fashion brands. Yeah, I'm actually really like really happy that I because I make it myself and because I have this small small business that I can afford not to sell it too too expensive. You can afford it because you're the only one working on them. So for example, if you would let's say hire some some stresses, then would it change a lot? For sure, yeah. Because this is like if you hire somebody, it's not just that you pay them for hour, but you have to pay the insurance and everything else for them. So the cost to hire somebody are like not so small. So then you, when you include it in all of it, uh, I think it would make uh, would make a difference. Yeah. But the people don't know this. People don't see it. It's also difficult. I think it's not so easy to explain. This is like if you have small business, you understand it. If you don't, you don't. Do you ever communicate about this? About how do you put together your prices? What percentage goes for the fabric? What percentage goes for your work, etc.? I actually did not very much, like on my social media or on the website, but I'm preparing it in the future because I am uh, like I'm now preparing uh, also like blog in the website. I'm like working on it for some time uh, in my head. <laughs> especially and uh, i want to share i want to share all these informations because i think it's it's important and you just explained it already so that's a good starting point yeah aside with the finances uh when looking uh, through your collections i i could easily notice that your colors are rather natural there are no really bright colors in your designs and i was wondering whether it's um anything to do with sustainable approach or it's rather related to simply to your aesthetic preferences as a designer? I think kind of both because I think these uh, colors what I choose, uh, like especially this uh, black, uh, this uh, natural linen, it's easy to combine, which means it is sustainable. So even if you like, even if you don't wear these colors always, if you buy black pants, you just, you can wear it with everything, with everything that you already have in your closet. From from this uh, from this side, uh, I try. I'm always trying to choose colors which are like uh, kind of useful for for everybody. 
which you can combine with everything. On the other hand, I don't like personally bright colors very much. I don't wear them so often. I actually, when I start with my first collection, I had only black and, and white and beige color. And I added uh, more colors uh, later. But also the fabrics, when I'm ordering, if I order 10 meters, 20 meters, 50 meters, like more order, the cheaper it is. And I also, I cannot afford uh, to order like 10 different colors because then would be expensive for me. And then some colors would not sell so good. And then you have it just in the stock. Of course. So I'm trying to have enough colors so the, so the customers are satisfied, but not too much. So I don't have too much cost and too much fabric in, in stock. But there is always option. If you want the yellow color and you, if you are patient, if my fabric supplier have this color i can order it for you you just you just need just need to wait some time because this uh, takes time so i also made some custom piece from totally different colors than i usually have it when you contact me i can make uh, like custom made things uh, for you with, with no problem it's just about the communication and it's not only for for colors right because you also adjust the length uh, if someone I think you have sizes up until L or XL sometimes, and you're also willing to go beyond or lower if, if it's necessary. Yeah, I have, uh, yeah, the most I have L because it's also, it's also easier for me as well this way, but uh, you just send me your measurements and I basically, I can make it, uh, I can make it uh, uh, work uh, uh, even in bigger sizes. Last year I had one girl here in the store, it was one customer from Germany and I also, I make the pants and I think the size is even XXL at the end. And I'm, the pants I made uh, XL a lot of times already, even I don't sell it otherwise. But I, I think that's quite um, quite rare that brands would go such length or such distance in order to really accommodate individual requests. Do you think that it's Due to the fact that you really manage everything by yourself, so you can make these adjustments, because I think the bigger brand gets, the more structured they need and the more limited in these terms they, they get. Yeah, I agree. But uh, for example, here in Slovenia, because there are also a few young uh, new brands, uh, similar to me, but uh, maybe a little bigger, and they, they uh, work with the seamstresses and with the companies, but they also offer custom-made items. But... The thing is that they usually charge for it because it is not prominent to make custom-made pants. But if you have company or seamstresses who, who make it for you, it's more expensive. So they charge 10, 20 euros or 10% more for the price. For me, because uh, all of the pieces are, almost all the pieces are made to order. If you order custom-made, uh, for example, if you want to make the pants long, uh, longer, For me, it's not a big difference. It's like I'm cutting the pants and sewing from the beginning to end for you anyway. If I have to cut them 10 centimeters longer or shorter, it's, it's no big difference. So I think in 90, 90 cases, I don't charge uh, more than if there is really some special wish or if, uh, some other fabric which costs more, but otherwise not. I, I really like to make custom-made pieces because then I, I prefer if somebody writes me Oh, I, I have these problems uh, to get the right pants because uh, now I have a little bit 
big, bigger hips and small waist. Can you make it like this way? And I'm really happy because I know that I make it and they will really feel comfortable and the size will be right. Your designs also aim to lower the fabric waist during production and you also have a zero waist top. And it means basically that when you cut out your pieces, there is literally no fabric that goes to waste. Is that correct? With this top, exactly, it's correct. And for a long time, I wanted to make pieces this way. And this this winter, I had time to play with uh, with it, and I made it. And does it take a lot of uh, compromises when you design something with the mindset that it's gonna be zero waste? Yeah. Uh, yes. It's like it's not like uh, that. You have uh, some design in your head, and you will just uh, now make it zero waste. Right now, in my case, it wasn't. You have the fabric, and you play with the fabric. You start with small piece of fabric, uh, and you play with the small piece, or you have a small piece of paper for help, and then you're like thinking, uh, what you could do, and then you cut, and you have still this small piece left, and then you're thinking what to do with this small piece, and then this is all process, and then you make something, and then I think the challenge was you can make piece of clothing. It's not difficult. You make something. But that you will make a piece of clothing that it's wearable, that you will really like and that you will wear, that will be really, really useful. You are based in Slovenia, so let's talk a little bit about, about your country and the fashion scene there. You are based in Maribor, and this city used to be the home to three quarters of Slovenia's textile industry, with the very prominent Maribor textile factory. It was after the Second World War. Exactly. So what is the situation currently? How did it evolve or change? Yeah, it was uh, until uh, late 80s, I think. And then, uh, because in general, in the whole world started to like move the textile industry in the, in the, to Asia and these countries. It, uh, the same happened here. Uh, so all these factories are now like closed, empty. I think... 99% of all of it is closed. It's quite a sad story because I think there are still like so many machines and so much knowledge and there is nothing happening actually now. But this is also why is the, the, the faculty, the program here in Maribor and most of my professors were, were actually once working in this uh, in this factory and this uh, this older prof professors they really had experiences uh, from the factories and they could give the knowledge uh, to us uh, to the new generation which was also interesting because i had also a like professor who also worked for versace for hugo boss for all these brands because they were once uh, the clothes were sold here Now there are only a few companies uh, here in Slovenia who still sew clothing. I think slowly, slowly there are more and more because also the companies from the Europe come to Slovenia because they make really good quality and still uh, cheaper maybe than if you... Like to some German company comes to sew the clothes to Slovenia because it's still cheaper than uh, to sew it in Germany or in Austria. Of course, it's more expensive than, than Asia, or it's more expensive than Serbia, but I think it's like some balance, price, quality. And uh, there are also like uh, many new young uh, brands who sew the clothes here. So I think that the small companies are slowly growing back because they have uh, more and more work. 
process. I think this is a slow process and I hope it will just be better and better. I just don't know who who will work here, who will work in these companies in a few years, because if you would come to one of this, uh, this uh, company, I don't know, they are usually, there's maybe 50 or 100 uh, seamstresses and 90% of them are like uh, old, they will retire in five or 10 years maybe. And I don't know if there there is enough of, uh, of the young uh, new generation to do this work. Is there education um, for seamstresses now in Maribor? Uh, I think that the the seamstresses the problem is that it's still uh, like uh, the lowest wage. You will you will get just the minimal wage. Mm -hmm. So young people will not. It's like you will not go through the clothes uh, for all day. So you get uh, you get the, the minimal wage. It's like not the job you you wish for. It's also hard work. I mean, you, you yourself sew your clothes and uh, sitting in front of a sewing machine throughout the day. Yeah, a couple of hours a day. It's not a big deal. The seamstress is she sleeping from six till two or till three, like all day, with just the the the, the lunch break mm -hmm. or the coffee break, nothing else. Is there a designer community in Slovenia or in Maribor where you're based? Yes, but I think it's m more based in Ljubljana, more because it's the capital. There you have, uh, there you have uh, also the design program, and like everybody preferred to go study design to Ljubljana than Maribor. So it's all kind mm -hmm. of happening there, not in Maribor. With your brand, do you have kind of a mission in the sense that uh, do you have any aspirations to transform the way? we see and use clothes or the way we care for them or to educate people about slow fashion for example yes this uh, this is uh, really important for me because i see the problem uh, that the people they are just used to for the prices from the stores so when they see something else uh, they just don't understand why why this slow fashion is so expensive comparing to these brands but I think it's because we are so much used to these prices, these low prices, and we have it like so deep in uh, in our mind uh, that I think this is the biggest problem. It's like at the beginning also when I when I when I shop just in the stores and then I see something what was hundred euros, I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm never gonna buy buy it. Now when I don't go to these stores and I'm just used to my prices and the other designers' prices, I don't seem so expensive to me. So from I always try to explain the customers uh, why the price is set like this or not the other side. Why is wrong that the t-shirt is ten euros or why is wrong that some dress are twenty euros? That this this is just that this is just uh, not correct uh, and uh, I want to share as much information about the clothing I made as possible always about the care about the materials about the way how it's made why it's made this way uh, why the fabric is good how you should take care of the fabric because if you don't take care of the fabric properly it's also it will it will get uh, this this it can get destroyed as well as the as the cheap uh, as the cheap alternative so i always trying to share all the information i get uh, with my customers and i want to do it in future even even more 
Although it's like a kind of funny because when I'm sharing some post about the fast fashion and slow fashion, it's like I think the ninety five percent of my followers like already know this the this stuff. I think it would be more interesting if I could reach like the people who don't follow uh, brand my brand this way or like brands like this and who who are not thinking about the sustainable fashion. I would think it would be more interesting to speak to people who who buy fast fashion, who don't think about clothes this way, because I know that my customers, if I share a post uh, about uh, about uh, fast fashion and about uh, the underpaid uh, workers, they I know that they already know about Definitely, this. definitely. Actually, that's also my, my mission or my goal with this podcast, that we reach more people who are at least interested but don't know how it works, what what to know about fair fashion or slow fashion. But it's true that it's really hard to get to people who who have no curiosity towards towards yeah, these topics. Because I have also difficulty like if I talk to people and this it can be some friend, it can be family. It's for me it's hard to, to explain somebody who just who just go in the store and buy in the sales and have closet full of clothes and don't think this way for me it's difficult to to start to speak about what i do and why i do this and why they should not buy the clothes Re- really i also i i didn't find a way uh, yet to explain to somebody who really mm-hmm. don't think about this this way to start to think about this i think the more information we put out there the more information gets available about it it, the more people it can reach and also i think it's important to show that it's not something only for for rich people because i think that's also a perception that's out there that it's yes exactly um, designer clothes are expensive so it's not for me but there are also cheaper alternatives so i think that's important to put them in the spotlight but it's funny because i think it's it's actually in a lot of cases the people who buy fast fashion spend more money on clothes than to people who buy sustainable fashion. And I see it because... I, because they buy a lot. They buy a lot. I see a friend and uh, she spends uh, there in sales like 100 euros for for a bag full of clothes. Instead, But if she would buy one dress, uh, she would wear it. Uh, like this cost per wear. Mm-hmm. It's like if you if you would count the cost per wear, uh, then you would find out that uh, that my clothes is a lot cheaper. Yeah, definitely. There is also a shift in mindset needed to value quality over quantity. This I want to say the mindset and yeah, to think about shopping differently. Yeah, definitely. Because I I was also there. I mean, I each and them was my my number one shop to yeah. go to. I I really loved it and. Um, Exactly. And now, of course, I don't shop there anymore. Uh, but but I do know I do know the feeling. I I, I do understand what what's uh, appealing in it. So exactly. Yeah. Me too. Yeah, I think that's that's an experience we we have, and uh, we can maybe learn from that. My advice, if really somebody asks me, is the first thing that you really have to determine your style. What is really the the clothes you like to wear, the colors you like to wear, the really what you feel comfortable in. This I saw myself because then I buy this uh, years ago when I also buy an HMM and I buy some top, I don't know, in orange color because just it was on sale and I think I never wear it because I hate orange color. I don't even know why, why I bought it. So really, 
make in your head to decide really what pieces and what colors and what stuff you really like i think this is the first uh, this is the first step then it's easier that you don't uh, shop for things you don't need or you don't you will not wear yeah well it's literally slowing down just uh not not buying on just because we want to buy it's really giving a thought to what we yes. need what we like well to conclude i have one final question to you which is in the spirit of peer support Uh, what is one sustainable brand that you admire, follow, like to wear, or would also um, recommend to the listeners, also from Slovenia? So, as I mentioned uh, earlier, uh, Jania, Jania Videc, here from Slovenia. And then we have one other brand in Slovenia, Mila Verd, which has really, really nice, uh, nice stuff. Unfortunately, it's a bit more expensive comparing to me here in Slovenia. I know that she also have the market especially from Germany, Switzerland, these countries, but really nice stuff and really nice materials. And she also started uh, the same time as me. I think that the brands would start at the same time as me or maybe one year earlier. Okay, well, thank you so much thank you. for being my very first guest, Lucy. It was a great discussion. I would also like to say thank you in Slovenian. So, hvala. Reassure me that my pronunciation was okay. Great. <laughs> Thank you for your invitation. It was really exciting. Thanks to you as well. Yeah, it was nice. And I also I want to thank everybody who listened to us. And uh, if you just have any question for me and my brand, you just send me email or send me a message on Instagram. I will always respond. Yes, I can confirm that Lucy is very responsive. <laughs> Then thank you again, and I wish all the best and a very bright and uh, sustainable future to Lucy. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the very first episode of the Green Fabric Podcast. The next episodes are already in preparation, focusing on fabrics and an alternative to buying fast or slow fashion. In the meantime, you can find Lucy's website and all the brands and names that were referred to in this episode in the description. If you don't want to miss the next episodes, make sure to hit follow or subscribe in your favorite podcast app. And you can also follow us on Instagram. Take care and talk to you the next time.